Bush and Richie here with another episode of uh, our daily takeaway. Uh, if you remember on last the last podcast, uh, we were struggling with Richie's voice. There was a will he, won't he? Will he be able to perform? Won't he be able to perform? We left him in quiet state in many ways, but we can cross over to Richie now and hear that there's been an improvement. Oh, hello. Listen to that. <laughs> Do you remember yesterday I said I was going to go and uh, go downstairs uh, to the blender and aggressively blend uh, the honey and lemon menthol, soothing menthol sweets? Um, I've gone through six bags of those and um, fantastic. It works. You know, the, the best thing about having a sore throat, not that there's many good things about having a sore throat, but it does give you access to that bit of your local pharmacy. You know, like the old throat sweets that come in tins that like yeah. something like a, a passing yeah. traveller or salesman might uh, take out of their top hat in a yeah. Wild West movie. Do you know what I mean? I've got a little message to uh, the good people at Hall's Soothers. All right, you do some great stuff, but why should I only have it when I've got a bit of a, a, a sore throat? Um, I, I would suggest to you that you need to break away from just the sore throat stuff. You're doing some great stuff. Get into that confectionery aisle. Use, use some of the uh, language of contact lenses, like a, a Hall Soother Everydays <laughs> or something. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? The Daily Takeaway. Richie's daily takeaway. So, if you listen to yesterday's show, uh, I had my eldest daughter Erin in with me because uh, it's Easter holidays and stuff at the moment. I know some people's Easter holidays and that are starting next week, but she's had a brilliant uh, Easter break. Erin, 12 year old, burger bar, went to Five Guys, been to, uh, uh, I was going to say Canvey Island, I mean uh, Covent Garden. <laughs> it's quite a big difference between the two. Very different. <laughs> Very different, but she, she was doing that. She had bubble tea and everything as well. And, I, and I've said to her a load of times, you know, you end up turning into parents with phrases and that, but she, I, I said to her the other day, she didn't realise I'm like, she is. She doesn't know she was born because. But think back. Listening to anyone listening to this right now, think back to when you were a kid in school holidays, whether it was summer holidays, Easter break, or whatever. There was a lot more improvising. Let's be honest. There was a lot more improvising going on because there wasn't that much to entertain you. You had to go and make your own entertainment. So what I want everyone to think about this hour is when you were a kid, where did you used to hang out during endlessly long school holidays? For me, and this is honestly true, growing up in Trowbridge, we used to play in a building site. Brilliant. So there was a building site around the corner where it's now a big, like, um, you know, obviously housing estate, but it was partially built. And this is, like, completely, like, 1970s government safety advert, don't do it, kid in flares climbing up the side of a pylon. But we used to get into the into the partially built houses and muck about going into, like, little tunnels that they built and stuff like that. Hugely dangerous. But that's what we did with our school holidays. Uh, my mate, my best mate James, used to live on a farm um, and I can remember school holidays, what we would do, we would make a den in a disused chicken coop, um, which was... <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> like Huckleberry so Finn. <laughs> what we would do, uh, this, this den was on the driveway up to the farmhouse and we would sit in there waiting for people to walk up to come and buy eggs. And then we'd just oh, jump out way. and surprise them. And that was two weeks. I think you might have been in the Grapes of Wrath when you were a kid. I feel like you were both wearing like dungarees or something, hitting each other with your cloth caps. We had great fun at the time, but when I look back at it now, I mean, that just sounds so miserable. Well, this is it. This is this is exactly the stuff we're after. Uh, you know, if you're listening with children right now who have maybe, maybe moaned because the Wi-Fi is too slow in your house or something like that, regale them with what you used to do. Where did you used to hang out during endlessly long school holidays? Adem, please tell everyone where you used to play. Uh, the Witch's Tunnel in Harlow. The Witch's Tunnel? That sounds like a nightclub. <laughs> so, uh, Witch's Tunnel in Harlow, what, what is that? I'm not really sure what it is. It's basically a massive tunnel that goes from one end of 
a bit of land, goes underground, all the way to the other, with a bit of water flowing through it. I'm now thinking it may be sewage. Honestly, I, I've had a look at it on, on Google Images. <laughs> Google the Witch's Tunnel Harlow. It looks like the, the tunnel from the Netflix, German Netflix horror sci-fi series, Dark. <laughs> Essentially, you have to get from one end to the other without screaming. It, it was massive. Looking at pictures, it's about 10 metres long now. There you go. Like I said, kids don't realise how lucky they are. So there you go. Witch's Tunnel Harlow. That's, that's one for starters. Uh, I'm 10 minutes away from that in the car right now, so uh, I'll check it out after the show yes. and I'll report back tomorrow. Uh, Charles says, one of the bigger kids on our estate built skateboard ramps and halfpipes from a mysterious supply of plywood for the rest of us to practice on. I bore witness to some horrendous injuries. Love it. it. never deterred me. It's weird. All the skateboards back then were all those weird little tiny, thin, like, banana skateboards, weren't they, as well? So it was like <laughs> non-stop accidents. Think back to when you were a kid. Where did you used to hang out? I used to play on a building site. A lot of people were getting in touch saying that they also used to play on building sites back in the day. Hugely dangerous, but it seems like it was a thing. Uh, as of yet as well, we've had no confirmation from producer Adam's uh, assertion that he used to play in the Harlow Witches Tunnel, which is probably the most unsettling sentence we've had on this show in a long time. <laughs> uh, Alison says, summers spent at the outdoor pool, providing you could get in through the gap in the fence. I, I've got a feeling that back in the day, there were more gaps in fences than, than there are now. I don't yes. feel like you can sneak into places these days. Everything, everything's revenue protected. The buzz from the, uh, the, the, you know, the building site. Again, sneaking in. It's, it's, the game's gone, isn't it? Uh, Dave <laughs> says, a classic rope swing action here. Rope swing on a disused railway embankment that swung out over a steep bank about 40 or 50 feet up at the peak. My friend Alex fell off and broke her leg. Still, we kept her spirits up on the two-mile walk home. That's just what it was like back in the day. Sophie, what were you doing? Uh, I used to hang around under the big wooden bridge at Richmond Park in South Benfleet. Right. What was the bridge then? What is this big wooden bridge in Benfleet? Is it still there? I think so. I don't know. I don't live there anymore. Um, it's just in the park, there was... You've got the park and then you've got a three or four fields surrounding it. And then there was just a big wooden bridge that just went over from one field to the other, over the creek. So, yeah, we just used to hang around under there. And there's probably... Lots of writing and vandalism under the bridge. <laughs> that was not done by you? Of course not, no. Absolutely. Uh, now look, the, the idea of a creek, creek is proper 80s uh, school holiday activity, isn't it? Hanging out by a creek. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, any uh, poo sticks done, or am I uh, being a little bit too whimsy here? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. I just don't think it was a big enough creek for poo sticks. I think your ambitions are too high for South Benfleet. Actually, if you've been, <laughs> been to Benfleet, it's a different type of poo stick they're talking about down there. That's why I don't live there anymore. Lovely to speak to you. Take care. Thanks, you too. Uh, so our producer, Adem, shared with us earlier that he played in something called the Witch's Drainpipe or, 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 or something of that ilk. <laughs> Witch's Tunnel. <laughs> Witch's Tunnel, that's Witch's Drainpipe. A bit different. Uh, in Harlow, uh, we're speculating it was a sewer. Uh, Wynne has tweeted to say, we used to play in a small river and ditches in Bourneville in Birmingham. This definitely was a sewer. The ditches were the dredgings from the pond. Oh, my word. It is so, it's so grim. Like I say, different times. And I'll add into that as well. Since we've been on air, not one person has got in touch to confirm the identity of the Witch's Tunnel in Harlow. 
Or her drain pipe. A hundred percent. Kitty says outside the local court building, it had a lot of smaller steps and rails that were perfect for us to use for skateboarding. We got chased off by security a lot. Uh, Andrew says Big Daddy Mountain and Hamburger Hill on Manxman Fields behind Ewood Park. We would fly down the hill on cardboard and there were some questionable mushrooms that would be there that you could make you sneeze and nearly black out. Different times. <laughs> It's a different time. <laughs> uh, Jenny, tell us about your holidays. What were you doing? Well, I grew up in Windsor Great Park and the same key that opened my father's tractor shed <laughs> for him to get his tractor out for work right. used to open the back gate to Windsor Safari Park. Oh, wow. How, oh, how, how did wow. you discover this? How is this discovery from a, a tractor shed key to Windsor Safari Park? How, how did you get get to this? We, we just knew. Dad knew. It, it, they were numbered. They were numbered keys. Yeah, there'll be people listening that have grew up in the park and are my age and older and know this story. I, I well, swear to you, I am not telling you fibs. Wow. I mean, this this is the greatest um, story ever. I used to spend so many summers going to Windsor Safari Park to have the run of that with um, uh, some kind of shifty tractor key. You're the luckiest yeah. person in the world. I wasn't alone. There was, there was a good few of us that, that used to take advantage of it. Amazing. I'm sure the people who ran Windsor Safari Park will be over the moon about that. Uh, but uh, well, <laughs> it's an amazing, it's like a Roald Dow story, that, isn't it? A key, that, an innocent key for a tractor can open the gates to an amazing theme park. Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame that when Legoland opened. I was going to say, just a question. <laughs> Does the same <laughs> key work now? Because to get into Legoland for free, that would uh, save my mortgage. Uh, it's it certainly saved me a few quid with uh, two kids and two grandkids as well. But does it work? No. Oh. Oh. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Now, I used to love Mr Ben as uh, as a kid and I uh, was sad to see today that uh, David McKee, who's the uh, author and illustrator and who came up with the series, has died at the age of 87. What a precious memory Mr Ben was. Uh, for for uh, you, you must have watched it as well, Bush. It was amazing. It was iconic. The art of it and that, that kind of strange dreamlike thing of him going into that fancy dress shop was just it was it was a little bit kind of yellow submarine beetles kind of vibe wasn't it yeah. it's really cool Mr. Ben, black suit, bowler hat, goes into costume shop, picks a costume, walks out of a magical door at the back and goes on an adventure related to the costume uh, that he is wearing. Comes back, puts his black suit, bowler hat on, goes on with his life. Uh, Better times. Uh, But it does beg the question, do you have to uh, dress up for work? I used to, uh, as a summer job, have to dress up in a red elephant's outfit uh, for East Sussex Fire Brigade uh, and uh, give out leaflets about fire alarms dressed as Wellifant. And I can... Oh, it's awful. Oh, my God. So, what, you were like... Were you in, in, in like, a shopping centre dressed as Wellifant? Or where were you as Wellifant? Shopping precincts, uh, it was uh, outside, always outside, because you'd be uh, by a fire engine. Um, Great. And the, 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 the part of it that was awful was that if it rained, uh, the next day that costume was just the rankest thing to have to put back on because the fire brigade didn't have the money to dry clean it. So where where were you be able to see out of Wellifant? Were you looking out of Wellifant's eyes or was it one of those weird things where he's got like a, a, a hole just below his chin and you're staring out of that through some gauze? <laughs> you were looking out of uh, some gauze that was basically uh, underneath his trunk and uh, his, his neck. is awful. What an, amazing, what an amazing thing to dress as. I mean, I mean, I've talked about this before on the show. My first ever girlfriend 
used to dress at the, at the weekends as Mr Wimpy because she worked at the Wimpy <laughs> in Fleet Walk in Torquay. Seeing her in that was, was a bit of a mood killer, I'll be honest with you. But <laughs> Wellifant, something else. But I guess here, we're, we're not, it doesn't have to be fancy dress. Even if you've no, got a work outfit, which is a bit of a nightmare, that would, that would apply too. Uh, Shane has got in touch tight little waistcoat and bow tie combo at the Princess Theatre in Torquay in 1990 lots of snooker players shuffling about he, he sounds like a ventriloquist dummy wearing that kind of outfit <laughs> Do you know, for, for me right from a hat in the ring on this one in terms of something you had to wear at work that you kind of hated Pontins in Brixham the holiday camp mm-hmm. late 90s I worked there just after I finished university I think this is still to this day the worst thing I've ever had to wear in the workplace I worked on the bar and I had to wear, and this, is, this is no word of a lie, red waistcoat, <laughs> a yellow T-shirt, red cravat, and uh, really bright blue uh, crimpoline trousers. I look like Woody from Toy Story. Bearing Please. in mind, I'm, I'm serving, like, quite burly people from the north who are there to have a, you know, a fair few ales on their summer holiday. And I remember them just looking at me like, what the hell are you wearing, mate? I know for a fact I could contact your brother. Please tell me there are pictures. No, do you know what? I've made sure, and the good... Good, thank God it was the days where there's no phones around because it'd be a different story, but there's no existing pictures. Uh, Chris sharing with us uh, his welcome break outfit. Ooh. He says we had to wear polo shirts, uh, very baggy 90s fit. It made us all look like extras from the British Empire. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Martin Leeds says, I worked at the Royal Armouries, regularly jousted in a six and a half stone suit of armour. Oh, wow. Interesting combo there. Uh, right, I mentioned earlier on about the fact that he used to work at Pontins, terrible outfit. We've got a fellow Pontins outfit survivor on the phone right now. He's called Ant. He's in Cornwall. Ant, what did you used to have to wear? Uh, so it's blue corduroy hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a yellow v-neck, like a tight muscle top. I'm not that big. Uh, a, a blue, a red waistcoat and a blue neckerchief. So there you go. You worked at Pontins too. I had to wear the exact same garb, t- a tail end of the 90s as well down in Brixham. How did you feel? Because, like, no no offence to people who go on holiday to Pontins, but, like, I, I remember, like, you used to have serve people who had, like, loads of tattoos and that. They were quite hard guys who used to drink in the bar in the daytime. And you dressed as Woody from Toy Story. It was humiliating. I know. I know, right? I know. Uh, Bush, yeah, when you were describing your outfit time. earlier, you never mentioned about the blue hipsters, though. Oh, they were well, one hell of a trousers, they really were. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable fit. It really was quite snug. Yeah, tight, tight fitting, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I used to have to bring a change of clothes in, right? If I was working on the bar in the evening, I thought, I'm not walking home dressed like that. I'll get my head kicked in. So I used to have to get changed before I went home because I wouldn't walk home in it. Well, I lived in one of the chalets on site, so everyone else was dressed like that as well, so it wasn't too bad. Cheers, Ant. Bryony, what was it that you wore? So, when I was a university student, I worked at Legoland, and I had to wear some lovely dungarees that said Legoland on the front. Wow. And then one special day, they let me wear a baseball cap covered in cogs, which was just the pièce de résistance on my outfit. <laughs> I don't know whether you were listening earlier, Bryony. You didn't have any keys to a tractor shed, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd like some. <laughs> what an outfit that was. Do you get to keep any of it? Tell me you get to keep the hat with the cogs on. Sadly not. I got to keep the badge, and I think I might have suffered from long-term hypothermia from wearing dungarees in March and the kids realising they could squirt me with the water pistols. Um, but that night. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart is hanging on uh, with a belter. Tell us what you had to wear, Stu. I used to wear a fireman's uniform and uh, I drove a fire engine. Right. But I was never a firefighter. This is like a riddle. It is, isn't it? I know, yeah. I 
drove a fire engine, a real fire engine, that had been converted into a limo. <laughs> so I just can imagine it was a... It was a, <laughs> it was a bit popular with the ladies, shall we say. Um, <laughs> birthday parties and end nights and... Oh no! I bet, uh, I Stu. I think you uh, you must have seen some sights in your time dressing dressed as a fireman driving around your pretend fire engine. It was, um, yeah, eye opening, shall we say? I'm telling you, I, I honestly would, but they made me sign an NDA, so I can't. I'm really, really sorry. They made you sign an NDA to be a limo driver. <laughs> oh, listen, listen. If some of the stories got out, then there'd be a There'd be a lot of problems anyway. <laughs> so, with what you've seen, and we won't get you to sell, you know, do any details, because of course you signed the NDA. Are, are girls worse than boys when it comes to raucous behaviour in these kind of situations? One hundred percent. I'm you go. really, really sorry, but yes, yes. Knew yeah, it. I might get ribs for it, but definitely, honestly, if you've seen some of the sites that we saw, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, the thing had a. It had a, a flat screen TV and a big music system and a bar in it and the, um, club lighting and and it even had a fireman's pole in it, or, you know, like a <laughs> pole dancing pole. I want to find out, Stu, because like if if you're just using it as a, as a limo, you've got your fire engine, you've got your seat for your drive, you've got your little double row up front. What's going on in the back where there's normally sort of like hoses okay, well, and a big old water well, tank? That's it. All all of that was removed. All the water tank was removed. All the um, power takeoff, all the side um, cabinets, for, and the back of it was just one great big open space, which obviously had seating in there. Like I said, the flat screen, the bar in there, um, club lighting, massive sound system, even had a smoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> Fire engine oh, really? and smoke machine, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, Lindsay's in Edinburgh. She says, I once had to dress up as a giant heart for a gym that I worked as uh, as a teenager. Uh, we're channelling Mr Ben um, uh, today. Great costumes that you had to wear for work. Uh, she goes on, this giant heart was uh, good in theory until a group of guys in town knocked me over. <gasps> until they... <laughs> Till they realised I was a 15-year-old girl inside. Luckily, the padding of the giant heart saved me from being hurt. What an awful thing to do. Imagine knocking out or knocking over someone dressed as a heart. You can't get exactly. a more you know, statement of love than that. And you're pushing it over in a pedestrianised area of a local shopping centre. Scumbags. Absolute scum. People these days, huh? Uh, Juan, who's got a fantastic name, says, I worked for Iceland Frozen Foods whilst at college in the early 90s. Trousers, grey polo shirt, grey material, polyester, awful. There, there is a thing, and we, we have sympathy this, e this evening for anyone listening to the show who has, uh, let's say, work trousers that you could light a match off. That's that kind of vibe. <laughs> this is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Bush, all this chat about uh, work uniforms does make me think about uh, an absolute radio work uniform. Uh, if our boss was to bring in some kind of clothing that all of us had to wear, the likes of Dave Berry in the morning and us here at, uh, at home time and the likes of uh, uh, Leona Graham and uh, Ben Burrell through that no-repeat guarantee, what would you imagine would be the absolute radio work uniform? Do you know what? I would love to see Leona in a Where Real Music Matters fleece. <laughs> Imagine that. You know, like in the data, you know when people are like getting stuff out when they're doing uh, click and collect? I'd love to see Leona and Ben going around, picking songs out in the freezer section with Where Real Music Matters fleeces. <laughs>
I've got in my mind, and um, I don't know why, I've got in my mind um, some purple dungarees, yep. um, white shirt, purple bow tie, and I could see Berry and Dyson at breakfast uh, absolutely rocking those as they deliver that show. There's an undercurrent of Chuckle Brothers there, but I think that's probably a right fit for those guys in the morning. <laughs> this is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. It's around about this time of night on a Thursday each week that we like to throw open the doors of the Hometime Film Club. The reason the Film Club has been created is because there's a bit of pressure sometimes trying to pick a movie. It can be hard. So what you do is you get in touch with us on email, hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. If there's a specific film that you would like the brilliant audience here on this show to come up with and suggest things for, and you've maybe got a particular audience in that night and you want to pick a movie, get in touch and we'll recommend one for you. Now, we were chatting earlier on about the uh, the kids being off uh, for the Easter holidays. A lot of people have been uh, getting in touch when we were talking about that earlier, just agreeing with how hard it is for entertainment these days. So, for the film club tonight, we want to try and find uh, an animated classic. So, look... We, we're great fans of Pixar, they do great work. But for Bush and myself, let's go back pre-Pixar and pick the greatest animated film before Pixar started doing their thing. Because, I mean, the, the vibe of this show tonight has been talking about like what it was like, yeah, Easter holiday and whatever has been fine for kids at the moment, but what it was like for us back in the day. So think back to the animated movies that you were kind of obsessed with when you were a kid. Uh, again, before the brilliant computer graphics came in. And then this this could be maybe watching a film. People might want to pick this film to watch with their kids this evening whilst listening to the show. Now, I'm going to offer up a 1977 piece of animation. Now, this also has some live action in it. It was a bit of a precursor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit with uh, part action and uh, part animated. I am talking the original Walt Disney, Pete's Dragon. Do you know what? I have never seen that film before in my life. An orphan boy and his magical dragon come to town with his abusive adoptive parents in pursuit. Nice. That's family-friendly, isn't it? Laugh <laughs> a minute. <laughs> Honest, I promise you. I promise you. That is a, is a poor one-word... It's a poor one-line pitch, but it's yeah, a way greater I, film than I've made it sound. I can just imagine you in the 80s uh, video shop saying, Mum and Dad will go for that one. That sounds all right, that, doesn't it? <laughs> so you're going Peach Dragon. I'm going to go for... This is a weird... This is a weird film. This, this is... It's going to be interesting this evening because... What I, what I think connects films from this era more so than nowadays is they're all quite dark in some places, aren't they? Even, you know, even like... Um, um, what's the Peace one with Dragon all the... Was. Dumbo. It's got dark bits and stuff to it. Uh, do you remember the old Lord of the Rings movie? With anima- It was animated and stuff, but before, obviously, the brilliant Peter Jackson one, there was like an animated Lord of the Rings film, and it was absolutely terrifying. Really, really terrifying. Yeah. That is the, the film I'm going to throw in the ring for this particular topic this evening. Bright eyes, burning like, like fire. fire. That's haunting, Richie. Uh, as was the film. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Paul Tomlinson putting forward uh, Watership Down, describing it as a lovely animated film about a gang of cute bunnies. It was sadder than that. Particularly the ending. You might want to avoid that bit. That's pretty horrible. Uh, <laughs> Helen says, Jason and the Argonauts can't have Christmas in our house without it, with the brilliant uh, stop-motion animation by Ray Harryhausen. That's a fantastic film, that is, as well. Such a good film. Uh, Rebecca, another person like myself, putting forward the 1977 Keats Dragon. Always had me blubbing as a kid. I love that dragon, she says. Uh, Ashley True says, Flight of the Dragons. Quite good dragon theming going on this evening with these old school animation <laughs> movies. 1982, he says, they sure don't make them like this anymore. 
Uh, Tony says, film club, it has to be... And some of the names of these films are quite weird. Grave of the Fireflies. He says, it's the greatest animated movie of all time. If you thought an animated movie couldn't move you to tears, think again, says Tony. Uh, quite a few nods uh, for Disney's Robin Hood's Bryony and uh, also Darren are going for that. Uh, this is the one, uh, you may have seen it, Robin Hood is a fox, as is Maid Marian. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that, Richie. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Craig on the line. Craig, what movie from yesteryear would you like to recommend? I think it's got to be The Water Babies. Tell us about The Water Babies. We've not heard of it. A little boy falls into a pond and ends up in a totally different world, swimming with sharks and other fish and other creatures, and it's just amazing. It's brilliant. Now, IMDb uh, appears to back up your little brief review there. This children's fantasy tells the story of a 12-year-old boy who discovers a complex underwater world right. where young children are held prisoner by an evil shark and an eel. <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> is it, is it, I mean, don't want to be a spoiler alert because the movie's from the 70s or whatever, but, like, is it all OK in the end? Because it sounds quite dark. It ends up, yeah, it ends up quite good in the end. I won't give it away. Right. But it is good, yeah, really good film. Six out of ten IMDb have given it. Mm, I'll give it seven. That's very generous of you. <laughs> good to speak to you. Have a good night. Thank you. We've had fun tonight on the uh, Film Club after a pre-Pixar old-school animation, please. What movie have people got to watch? Jeff in Portsmouth says, it's got to be the Roald Dahl classic, The BFG. Oh, yes, <laughs> Same to you. Um, another mixture of uh, of live action and animation. Paul in Coventry, I put forward Pete's Dragon earlier. This is a bit different. Roger Rabbit. Oh. Uh, I mean, how have we spent this long and not mentioned it? Is it st it's still a good film. I'm sure it still stands up Ooh. to the present day. Right, Paul, what's the movie? Tron. Tron. You can't beat a bit of Tron, you know? Do you remember? All, all now, what is it about Tron that you're remembering fondly, Paul? Well, all the spandex he wore and all them bikes oh, that he used to ride and all that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Your yeah, kind of movie, is it, Paul? Fluorescent things. Uh, so, uh, one of my favourite arcade games of all time back in the 80s was the Tron arcade game with the whole discus fight and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, an iconic film, right. isn't it? Yeah, it was. And it was meant to be a Tron 2 out. I don't know whether it ever come out, but I remember getting, like, a storybook back in the 80s and thought it was quite cool because I got, I, got um, I got the book and the kind of cassette that went with it, that sort of, you know, all the sound effects that, and all this kind of thing. The, the, quite, you know, the weird thing is, Tron time. wasn't even like kind of fancy animation. It was just people with like Dayglow high-vis stuff stuck on, wasn't it? Was that... That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was great, yeah. You, know, you, you didn't see any characters. There's no personalities come out. It was just people dodging around and kind of buildings and with like sort of fluorescent stuff strike through well, them and all this kind of thing. It was like Judge Dread bikes actually, but they were much more simpler than that. Probably a lot more Paul, faster. We've yeah. waited all these decades for the Top Gun sequel. That's coming out next month, oh, so uh, yes, Tron 2 yes. should be soon. 36 years later, eh? I remember, I went to go and see it and I was sitting there, I thought I was maverick. I really did. I thought this is what I'm going to do. Aviator, aviator, pilot, and I work for the council. <laughs> 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 Paul, good to speak to you. You're alive. Why? Have a good Thursday night. 
Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Lovely jubbly to see you. All right. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Uh, yeah, we've been looking for your classic animation pre-Pixar, and there has been uh, an outright winner. More suggestions than anything else for Disney's Robin Hood. Yes, Foxy Robin and his vixen made Marion. Honestly, during all the songs, during the last hour of the show tonight, Richie's been going on about how much he fancies the fox lady <laughs> from Robin Hood. Unbelievable. The Daily Takeaway. Richie's Daily Takeaway. So there you go, another uh, Daily Takeaway in the bag. If you would like to sign up, I think there's a volume of numbers if we're going to try and get in touch with halls to get them to uh, produce their kind of soother throat lozenges, but for an everyday use. I think enough people write to them, uh, we, we could have a bit of a landslide here and they'll start making them. Another idea for them as well, ice creams, halls lollies. A, th- a throat soothing lolly every day. <laughs>